0: touch that dial you've tuned in to the great tv podcast with jim harold whether they're current or classic let's talk about the best shows ever made
1: welcome i'm jim harold and so glad to be with you once again and indeed this is the same show that uh, hopefully you've enjoyed over the last year or so but we've uh, done a little freshening up Uh, Now, TV you grew up with is now known as the Great TV Podcast, and we will still be talking about the greatest shows ever made. Uh, A little bit of an addition rather than a subtraction. We're going to actually fold in some more recent shows, maybe even some current shows that I guess uh, our panel, and that would be me, (laughs) consider the greatest TV shows ever ever made. So we have still got a bunch of great classic stars coming up. People like Loretta Swit, William Daniels, who played Kit on Knight Rider. He was the voice of Kit on Knight Rider. Michael Learned, who was in the Waltons, but we're going to mix in some newer shows too. So I think that you are going to enjoy it. If you liked TV, you grew up with, I hope that you love the great TV podcast. And to recap, our website is the great TV podcast. And hopefully, uh, If you're listening to this and you were a subscriber to the previous show, that uh, this will catch right up and you'll be able to get the the show just fine. And again, the website is greattvpodcast.com. And today we're going to talk about a show that is both a classic in the past and is soon to be current. I'm talking about Twin Peaks, and here it is. Well, we have two great guests today, and this is something that's near and dear to my heart because I'm in my 40s. And when this show first came out, I loved it. And then we'll talk about maybe I loved it a little less as it went on. And now it's coming back. I'm talking, of course, about Twin Peaks. So grab uh, your uh, damn fine coffee and sit down and listen as we <laughs> – we, uh, damn damn fine cup of coffee, I think it was. We talked to Scott Ryan and John Th- Thorne all about Twin Peaks and they are great guests for that because John Thorne is the co-managing editor of Blue Rose magazine. He was the managing editor of wrapped in plastic magazine for 13 years, which as I understand it was the Twin Peaks magazine. And he has a book out about Twin Peaks called the essential wrapped in plastic pathways to Twin Peaks. And then our other guest is the other co-managing editor of the Blue Rose Magazine, and we're talking about Scott Ryan. Now, we're going to take in a time machine here because I've actually talked to Scott about his upcoming book about 30-something already, and we were talking, and he said, oh, you know, I do this whole Twin Peaks thing too, and I said, no, I didn't know that, so we decided to flip-flop the shows, so 30-something will be coming up in a couple of weeks, we'll talk to Scott about that, but today we're going to talk to Scott and John all about Twin Peaks. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today.
0: Oh, thank you. No, thank you for having us.
1: <laughs> so, so let's go way to go in the way back uh, machine to the beginning of Twin Peaks. Is this something that resonated with you both when it when it came out?
2: Uh, well, uh, this is John, and uh, very much so it resonate, resonated with me when it came out. Um, I was aware that it was coming. I had heard about it through various uh Newspaper articles that this was something special, and I watched it when it first aired, and I was completely blown away by it. I thought it was, uh, you know, a brand new era in television when Twin Peaks came out.
0: I was, this is Scott, and I was in college at the time, and my best friend said, listen, I'm going to watch this show, Twin Peaks, and I'm going to talk about it all the time, so you might as well watch it too. (laughs) So (laughs) I watched it, and I can still, to this day, 27 years later, I can remember the feeling of sadness that played those first 30 minutes of that opening pilot. Mm -hmm. And I have never forgotten that while yes, there's donuts and coffee and cherry pie and Agent Cooper, it is about the murder of a young girl, and that's the center of Twin Peaks. And that that sadness really was different from the way we had seen murder on television up to that point.
1: Now, um, and either of you can can answer this, or both of you can answer it. Uh, at the time, I mean, it really had a quick. It was it was like a rocket. It went up quickly and it went down quickly. What? caught people's attention about this? Cause it sounds like from what I've been able to gather, it was a battle to even get on the network and you had different executives arguing, but finally they did get on the network. It was a big hit initially. And, and then, as I said, it rose up quickly and came down almost as quickly. What was the appeal to people? What do you think caught with twin peaks at the time?
2: I think there were a number of factors, uh, that, that, uh, you know, uh, went into the success, or at least the initial success, of Twin Peaks. Um, It was bringing in, of course, uh, David Lynch, who had a reputation for uh, some very strong and unusual films, uh, Eraserhead and Blue Velvet uh, Elephant Man. So there was this name attached to this, and um, there was something made about, you know, here was this successful artist moving into the realm of TV, which at that time was uh, unusual that someone like that might be working in television. But beyond that, I mean, there was this collaboration between David Lynch and Mark Frost, who was essentially a TV veteran and understood the workings of serial television. And they both were willing to challenge the conventions of TV at that time. So they had a very uh, complicated story that they were telling with a lot of characters and they were willing to take it into some unusual realms that you didn't normally see on uh, a quote unquote nighttime soap opera and so I think those those factors and and you know of course the quality of the writing the quality of the acting all contributed to uh, this uh, increased interest in in this television show Twin Peaks the media that latched onto it, Television critics latched onto it, and it became the thing to talk about uh, in the spring and summer of 1990.
0: Well, and I think that the question of who killed Laura Palmer and that idea was not something television was doing back in April 1990. Now, every show, and I think it's because of Twin Peaks, they try to get this hook, and they try to pull you in right from the get-go. But I remember... You know, you, you want to know who did it. And, and the other things you sort of pushed to the side, but you were so focused on who killed Laura Palmer.
1: And I'm just recalling, and this is a 27-year-old memory, but I, I kind of the way that I, I took it was, is I loved the show initially. And then, um, and you would have these great like random things. You thought, oh, this is all leading to something. For example, I think of the the little person and the dream and the, the speaking backwards with the, the caption and that this is all leading to, to something. And then at some point, and maybe it was me, but I want to know if other people had this. And other people have said this about things like lost in subsequent years that none of this meant it, it didn't mean anything that it was just, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of random thoughts. And, and, and it was kind of we're kind of being I, I hate to use this phrase, but effed with. So I mean was it, did I miss something? I mean did every little thing have a meaning or was it just well, a bunch of random stuff?
0: Well, first of all, you're talking to two people who have devoted the last 27 years to studying yes, this. Yes. So we are never going to admit that, you know, he that it was just there and it didn't mean anything. I mean, uh, Especially John, who wrote for Wrapped in Plastic for all those years. You know, every moment does mean something. Here's what actually happened. Your memory is is true. And also, it didn't just happen to you because the pilot premiered with Super Bowl ratings. Right. And the show, I think, in the second season, it was like maybe literally last or pretty yeah, close I to loved, the bottom. I,
1: I can't tell you how much I loved it this show. And typically I'm the kind of person, if I get into a show, I want to see every episode. Uh, You know, I might not write books about it, but I want to take it to the end. I mean, you know, I remember a couple of years ago um, before it finished up, but I got into breaking bad and I was streaming like one or two episodes every day to catch up. I mean, I get it. I typically don't quote leave a show, but for some reason it just turned me off, but go ahead, finish your thought.
0: Well, I think the reason that happened, it was ABC's fault more than the writer's fault even though there is a dip in quality at some point in season two but it you know you saw those seven episodes from april to may and then there wasn't new episodes till september and then it rarely played back-to-back weeks and it was the kind of show that you had to stay involved with i don't know john would you agree with that assessment
2: a couple of things to talk about here, but I'll let's take up that last point. Without a doubt, uh, Twin Peaks was the kind of show that would have been better suited to our current uh, TV watching um, environment, uh, in that it was complicated, uh, and you needed to watch every episode, and you needed to pay attention. And of course, nowadays, if you miss you miss it when it airs, you can watch it. You can find a way to watch it. You can you can download it. You can watch it on a streaming service. You can pay to watch an episode you missed. There's multiple ways of getting to a show that you're invested in. But back then it was impossible. So if you missed an episode, you were stuck. You could not you could not find it unless someone had taped it and you had a friend who could you know and that you know, that was hit or miss. So that uh, you know, Twin Peaks was a show Alex like Scott said that really uh, demanded your attention you had to, you had to keep watching it couldn 't miss an episode and um, so that was a tough environment for a show back then with network you know the network television scenarios back then that was a tough environment for twin Peaks i'll go back to what you were talking about with the dream uh the dream sequence at the end of episode two um, and and, and you, 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 you're, 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 you're at, You know, Scott, you were both right. Uh, it did have meaning, and they were making it up to some extent as they went along. And I say that because uh, on the surface, you know, typical television narrative, uh, the dream was a dream, and it didn't really have that sort of narrative point-to-point meaning. If this is going to happen, then this is going to happen it had meaning in a whole different way. It had David Lynch meaning. And that is, it spoke to sort of the inner workings of the minds of the characters. And that was TV that was demanding a lot more uh, than any other show that was on at the time. Uh, It wasn't just your simple, you know, narrative structure. Uh, It was talking about deeper themes that might be affecting these characters and how they were interacting with a complicated world. So that's the appeal to me in many re- regards about, you know, meaning in Twin Peaks is, you know, what, how are we exploring these characters? You know, what are they seeking? Are they seeking something larger in life? I don't mean to get too philosophical and I won't go on and on about it, but, but you're right too, is that, um, you know, the show would throw in these, some of these things and it would, uh, you know, other creative talent on the show would attempt to map meaning to some things that were not easily mappable, if that makes any
1: sense. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. And, but, but on the other hand, I don't want to, I, I don't mean to be negative Twin Peaks because I'm very excited sure. to see the new version. And then I'm assuming that I don't know if they're up yet, but we'll be able to also see the old, uh, the old one and revisit, uh, revisit those as well.
0: Yes, they are all streaming on showtime right now, all the season one, season two, and then there's also a movie called "Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me." Mm-hmm. And according to David Lynch, so for your listeners out there, let's say that you know, you watch Twin Peaks in 1990, and you know it's coming back on May 21st, and you're like, "I don't have time to watch 29 episodes and catch up." According to David Lynch himself. He says, what you really need to be familiar with is the movie Firewalk With Me. Oh. And Showtime is also um, streaming that as well, up from now, up until the premiere. And I don't know if John and I totally agree on this point, because I don't know if we've had this direct discussion. But I personally like Firewalk With Me better than the whole series anyway. It's a Lynch film. It's, it's got all the things I love but when you know you, when you're talking about things that make no sense believe me there's tons of stuff in firewalk with me that you watch the first <laughs> time and you're like um why did that guy just suck cream corn backwards off a spoon mm-hmm. you know that's a scene in the movie <laughs> and so you have to be kind of open to that so i don't know
1: well i also think that you know the 2017 version of me with the hopefully a little bit of wisdom of time will be a little more open than the uh, you know the twenty the twenty year old version of me um so uh i I want to revisit the 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 previous show and and so forth and then talk about this new incarnation and I wanted to talk about the actors a little bit because the one thing I will say in retrospect, I love the casting of uh uh Lynch and Frost on this uh I mean who else could you imagine playing uh Agent Cooper except for Kyle uhmLachlin? Uh, and then, and then, when you look at the other people, he drew up on a lot of classic actors, uh, uh, Peggy Lipton, and people like that. I thought uh, Michael uh, uh, Ankeen was fabulous in the uh, as uh, Sheriff Harry S. Truman, and the list goes on and on. The the Log Lady, who I believe is passed, um, and, and nevertheless, just the the casting. Can you both talk about the casting? Because wow, I, I mean. I can't imagine another Agent Cooper or, or many of those characters.
2: I think the casting was critical to the, to the success of Twin Peaks. And, uh, you know, David Lynch has a unique way of casting for his, his films and his television work. And he gets, I think he gets a feel for who the person is as an actor when he talks to them. He doesn't make them read scripts. And he can sort of envision how they're going to fit into this ensemble that he's putting together. Uh, and that unique way of approaching fitting the right person to the right role uh, was a, a major factor to the success of that ensemble. Uh, obviously, he had, Lynch had had uh, uh, experience working with Colin McLaughlin in the past. Uh, they uh, were on the same wavelength in many respects, and so he was a natural fit for this this main role. Uh, Con McLaughlin had appeared in Blue Velvet uh, and in the uh, movie Dune, uh, both of which were directed by David Lynch. But beyond that, too, you had, yes, the television show acknowledging in some ways the history of television. So it was bringing in some of these actors who had had some roles in television before. So Michael Hawking, as you said, and Peggy Lipton both had been in, in television series uh, with some success uh, in the past. Uh, and the show itself, of course, acknowledged television. Uh, some some television texts uh, with a one-armed man, which was a callback to the fugitive. But that, that's getting yeah. outside of casting. Uh, but yeah, he found unique character actors who just fit these roles. Uh, you know, in in a special way. You had Don Davis who played Major Briggs. You had Miguel Ferrer who played Albert Rosenfield, both both sort of uh, stern type of people, but with quirky uh, attitudes. And then he went. And he and he pulled in people like Joan Chen, who had a, a wonderful a career in film, and uh, Piper Laurie, who had uh, a great success in film. Russ Tamblin, Richard long longtime actors. So I can I can keep going. He brought in new people who were you know first time actors, young actors uh, who just lit up the screen. He brought in old actors who had uh, you know, had wonderful chemistry together. So. Yes, when you say casting and you talk about casting for Twin Peaks, there was something unusual, very non-network about the approach to casting that show that had a lot to do with the success of that series.
0: Well, and you had mentioned uh, Catherine Coulson, who played the Log Lady. You know, it's someone that... You know, it's as famous as as the cherry pie and the damn fine coffee. You know, everyone remembers this person who carried around the log and she gave out this wisdom, and as you continue with the show, you find out that she is actually connected to the spiritual world and she's kind of a conduit between the town of Twin Peaks and then what's called the Black Lodge and Or the Red Room, and this is where all the creepiness of Twin Peaks comes. Well, And you mentioned that she had passed away, and I just want to take this moment to say that she was the kindest woman. I met her, they do Twin Peaks Fests every Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And I went out in 2015, and I actually filmed my experience, and it's a documentary that's streaming on Amazon called The Voyage to Twin Peaks. And I spent some time with Katherine Coulson, and she was so kind to me and just so warm. And then she passed away just a couple weeks later and told none of us she was dying of cancer right then. Wow. But she spent this time with the fans. She signed you know, an autograph for everyone. I had just met her in the place that's called the Great Northern in the series. It's actually the Salish Lounge or Lodge, and I met her in the gift shop, and we had this moment together where we just talked, and I wrote about it in the first issue of the Blue Rose magazine because she had meant so much to me, and she just understood Twin Peaks and the fandom, and to have that openness when you're going through this illness and knowing, I'm sure she knew, you know, this was her last time being in that town that had sort of changed her life, and, and, made her a star.
1: That, that's fantastic. I, I love that anecdote and people like that who are so uh, selfless. And, and when we look at these TV shows, we think of them as things, but really they're the, uh, the, the, the embodiment uh, of a group of people who have gotten together to create a piece of art. So it, it, it's a lot more human prospect that sometimes we, we put on it, I think. Now um, to, to pivot to the new show, um, now, I know there had been controversy. Was Lynch going to be involved? Was he not going to be involved? Um, those type of things. What are your expectations from? Uh, and again, you guys may have already seen it. I don't know if you have an, an in. Uh, <laughs> but but what are your expectations for the uh, the new Twin Peaks series? Well, I'll
0: well, tell I'll, you, I'll, um, I'll, I, I, yeah, go I'm, I'm going I'm to yeah. cut and I'm going to go first on this one, John, because this is like so important. Take your expectations, put them in a box, hide them in a drawer and set that desk on fire. Get rid of your expectations. If you come in to this Twin Peaks on May 21st with expectations, your head's going to be smashed just like it was in 1990. You know, you you got to let all that go. Anything could happen. We don't know what David Lynch is going to do. And we neither of us have seen anything. And we've even stayed away from spoilers because we don't want to know. I suggest you you just turn it on and you let these pictures flow over you. Anything could happen. That would be my expectation. Go ahead, John.
2: Yeah, I would agree with Scott for sure, and and we should say again, reiterate, we have not seen any of it. Uh, They have been keeping uh, so much of uh, this story uh, secret. They they want to keep it that way, and they have very good reasons for that. So we know very little uh, about what's what's coming. Um, But uh, I I think I think you know people would ask me over the many years. You know, uh, do you think Twin Peaks is going to come back? I'd always say no. I didn't think it was. But if it did, um, you know, it's not going to be what you expect. So, again, back to what Scott was saying. Uh, I, I, um, you know, I don't know what it's going to be. But I do know that the two original creators, David Lynch and Mark Frost, are involved. I know they respect the work they did in the past. I know they're well aware of the new television environment that they're entering, I think they want to take this opportunity, this is maybe a last chance opportunity for them to go back to this work, uh, to explore it again, and to bring something new and challenging to television. So I am expecting that, I guess, at least, something new and challenging. Um, I will say one other thing. I think if you've never watched Twin Peaks before, and maybe a lot of your audience uh, listening, you know, doesn't well, I want to commit to watching the old show, or really doesn't know anything about it. I think I have a a gut feeling only that Lynch and Frost have designed the new series to be at least acceptable. uh, That you don't have to have watched all of this this previous material. That they will refer to it uh, in some way to bring you up to speed. the, I can tell you this, Showtime, which is uh, the network that's showing Twin Peaks, does not refer to this as season three. Uh, they refer to this as new Twin Peaks or Twin Peaks The Return. So I think they're they very deliberate about that because they, they want this to be open to a new audience.
1: Now, um, on the face of it, and, and it reminds me a little bit of Star Trek in this way. Um, as a series, you know, it shot up like a rocket. It, it it fizzled quickly. And I think of even the original Star Trek, which only ran three seasons, uh, original run in the 60s on NBC. And, and then it, it kind of over the years has taken on this larger of life, larger than life kind of uh, uh, reputation. Why in the world? You know, we're talking about almost 30 years ago. It was a show that uh, ran for 30 episodes. Why did Showtime say, "Hey, you know, this is something we want to revive. This is something we think have has legs." Why did this happen for a show that, you know, was yeah, it, it was kind of a flash in the pan, even though there was a lot of great art about it. Uh, commercially, it was a flash in the pan. Why now? Why, uh, why the revival?
0: Well, I feel like this is an answer that people give all the time, but this time it's actually true. It's the fans. The fans have kept this alive, and, you know, John hates when I say this, but John is a big reason that Twin Peaks is coming back, because he started Wrapped in Plastic after Twin Peaks aired, and it took us through those 13 years when there wasn't the internet. And, you know, I think fans just love it, and the festivals, where you can go out and see where they filmed the the series. And this community cre- happened, and then it happened on the internet, and we all became this one big family. And when you go to these events, and like you know, we've started up the Blue Rose magazine, and we get all of this support. People are are chomping at the bit for this. In fact, yesterday I just um, we we got to announce that Showtime is giving our subscribers a limited edition laura palmer agent cooper card that you can get when you subscribe to our magazine when i announced that our, the thing blew up i mean my facebook was going crazy <laughs> my email was going crazy you know people are ordering it left and right because if it's twin peaks the fans want a piece of it in in star trek is a perfect example i think you you're 100 percent right comparing it to star trek
2: I would definitely agree with Scott that the, that there is a devoted following to Twin Peaks. Uh, that 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 uh, you know, people who were fans thirty years ago or twenty-seven years ago are still fans. Uh, people who uh, you know they stayed stayed with it, and so it has that cult status. I think new fans are coming into Twin Peaks that have been for the last ten years, once the show became more accessible with streaming services uh, and that kind of thing. But, you know, beyond that fan base, which is, you know, relatively limited, um, I would also say that I think that in the creative community, in the television and, and film industry, there's a great deal of respect for Twin Peaks. Um, I think people who were, who were just young people at the time and who are now important figures in quote-unquote Hollywood – uh Remember the impact that Twin Peaks had on them. Uh, they understand that it was a show that was challenging uh not only audience expectations but uh in some ways challenging the medium itself of television and They remember that that it was willing to push some boundaries uh and it had an impact on them uh there's i 'm sure if you walked into you know various uh, meetings in Hollywood among. Uh, you know the power players. Uh, there's an awareness of what Twin Peaks is. It's a prestige show, and I think that is also part of it. I think Showtime saw that there was an opportunity here to return to something that has this um, important value in the history of television, and uh, and which was just an opportunity to bring those original creators back and allow them to continue this. So in some ways, it's sort of the part two to the, the history of Twin Peaks. So we're going to get to allow them once again uh, to return to this world.
0: And I recently interviewed Robert Engels, who was a producer on the original series. He also wrote like maybe 10 of the episodes and co-wrote Firewalk With Me with David Lynch. I asked him, you know, what is the legacy for this? And he said he can get a meeting always. You know, there's there's no place that he can't get a meeting in to be a writer on any show because they know he did Twin Peaks. And he said it's still opening doors for him. Wow. And so it matters within the industry, I think.
1: And when we talk about the great shows, and we talked about a lot of great shows on on this program under its current title and its past one, but it seems like one thing that all of these great shows have in common is that they have in some way influenced what was to follow. And I think about things like the cinematography and maybe doing some nonlinear kind of storylines. And yet Twin Peaks being another one of those fairly early shows, you could go back maybe to Hill Street Blues, that had a long-formed story arc other than shows that were considered, quote, soap operas. Um, can you talk about some of those le- uh, some of that legacy as it pertains to shows like Lost, or maybe Breaking Bad, or, or or some of the different different shows out there that uh, followed it.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think it's true. I mean, it's often said that Twin Peaks changed television, and, and Mark Frost, the co creator, said, well no, It really didn't change television, and yet I think even he is is understanding that um, it, it opened up doors uh, to to creative people say, oh, you know, television can go in this direction, and television can experiment in ways, you know, back in the 90s and before, uh, TV networks always wanted to play it safe, and they certainly didn't want to startle or upset their audience, because, of course, you know, they had uh, sponsors that they had to please as well. That landscape has changed quite a bit, um, and so we have, uh, we have premium cable television shows and um, places where, where the sponsor and the commercial interruptions are not going to be a factor. So I, I think for the create just because it sort of goes back to my previous point, I think for creative people, Twin Peaks showed uh, in some respect there, there was an opportunity to to explore what this medium allowed. Lost is a great example of how you know, the network at that point was willing to sort of indulge the creators a little bit to tell a longer story, allow them to go down various paths and um, hope that it would all fit together. uh, In the end, that's a, that's another conversation, (laughs) but um, uh, you know, but you know, uh, people who were very, very important in television, I think of David Chase, who created the Sopranos, he has cited Twin Peaks as an influence. And, you know, when I first heard that way back when, and I watched The Sopranos, I was like, well, I don't see how. I saw it. With the, I, was I was thinking
1: for... about that before we started. The scene with the ducks where um, yeah. Tony Soprano. And the dream. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That I thought. And I was thinking about this before we started recording. I was going to bring that up as an example.
2: Well, I think David Chase. Uh, you know, I think there are there are certainly some Twin Peaks elements in The Sopranos. There's dreams and there's the talking fish and and things like that. But they're they're muted. They're not as, as over as right. they are in Twin Peaks. Um, but, but I think David Chase understood. Uh, well, you know, we can put this many characters into a show. We can tell a story over a great period of time. We can get into the interior of our characters and 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 explore what's going on in their subconscious. And he brought that to the Sopranos and he had said that Twin Peaks was an influence on him. So when you see something like that, uh, obviously Twin Peaks changed television.
0: Well, and I think a way it's kind of like a very meta answer, but in some ways how Twin Peaks really changed television didn't really happen until this year when David Lynch got to write his own ticket. I mean, Twin Peaks is coming back on May 21st on Showtime. But how it's coming back is phenomenal. They're not telling us, we know there's 18, but they're not calling them episodes. They won't say how long they are. They won't say when it's going to end. So we don't know. Are they playing two a week? Are they playing one a week? We don't know. We don't know what the story is. No actor, every actor on that show had to sign an NDA. They're not allowed to say a word When we tried to get one actress to give us an interview for this um for our recent magazine, she said, I'm not even allowed to say there is new Twin Peaks. Like I can't even confirm it. (laughs) And to have that kind of power, you know, that shows it might have taken all these years to really demonstrate how much it changed television, but no one knows anything. And Showtime you know, they're even afraid to give away stuff. You know, they told us to call the series Twin Peaks The Return in the magazine. So I started doing that way. I sent them some stuff for them to approve, and they X'd it out. And then it was called New Twin Peaks. And I'm like, what are we supposed to call? You know, we'll do whatever. But I think no one knows, because we're in totally uncharted territory for the first time in television.
1: I've got to believe, though. I I mean, they have everything going for them now. They've got the you know the solid backing financially and kind of uh metaphysically uh on a very spiritual level of a showtime they really want to see this succeed they've invested a lot of money the technology is there in terms of streaming and uh with the show you can watch it live on showtime uh, or i'm assuming you'll be able to watch it the archive on showtime anytime so they uh-huh. have that advantage so if somebody misses it they can go back and watch I mean, it seems like to me that the planets are aligned. If this is good, and with the people involved, you would hope certainly hope that it's going to be very good, that this actually has a much, much better chance for success than the original Twin Peaks had.
2: I think so. I, I think yes, yes, this is a great environment. And I think Mark Frost has even said that, you know, that this, is, this is ideal to, to be able to go on to premium cable, and tell the story with the freedoms that that allows. Uh, and I I definitely agree with you. I think Showtime's in it for the long haul. I think they're thinking beyond just the simple weekly installment that we're going to get, that when it's all done, there's going to be this long story that has been told in multiple p- parts, but essentially it's cohesive, one long, however many hour story, uh, that's going to be available for people to... Watch again and again. I think it's one of those shows that's probably going to require you to watch it multiple times to find how certain pieces fit together and make sense of some of the narrative, which is fun, and I look forward to that. Uh, and so they're thinking ahead beyond just the first airing, but you know this is going to sort of sit there now, and people are going to come to it. Maybe they didn't watch it the first time through, but they're going to hear about it from a friend, or you know they're going to they're going to want to go back to it or go to it for the first time, and they'll be able to, and they'll be able to invest in this this curious show. and and uh, And so it'll be there for a while. It'll be there more than just these however many weeks it first airs.
0: Well, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how television viewers handle the patience that it takes to watch anything that David Lynch does. You know, sometimes I watch a new pilot and, you know, you'll have a husband say to the wife a sentence like, well, darling, you know that I work as a lawyer down on the street and I won't <laughs> be home till four o'clock. And you're like, oh, I wonder if he's going to come home earlier. You know, just sentences that don't happen. Where in In this 18 part, Twin Peaks, my guess is something's going to happen in part two that's so strange, but you're going to get the answer for that in part 11. And it's going to make sense to you. And will viewers in today's time have the patience to wait from part two to part 11? I'm excited to find out. I mean, I want those things because that's what we love to cover.
2: And that just gets back yeah, to the point I was making is that on the week to week basis, I think it will challenge the traditional viewer. Uh, as Scott says, there may be stuff that doesn't seem to make sense. And you need to kind of wait. For more information to process it, but once it's all done, it will be out there uh, as a complete entity, and so um, you can you don't have to wait as long if you're coming to it new you can binge watch it or you, know, you can you can get to certain parts faster uh, and that will be a different kind of viewing experience so there will be one viewing experience week to week and then forever after it will be a different kind of viewing experience I think Showtime and Lynch and Frost are aware that there are going to be those two different uh, viewing scenarios.
1: Well, I know what I'm going to do after our interview. And after I'm done working today, I'm going to queue up the, uh, <clears throat> queue up the Roku and put on my showtime anytime and, uh, <laughs> start, start, uh, seeing how good my 27 year old memory is and see if we can get caught up before May 21st. I mean, this is, this has got to be very, um, uh, specifically for John. I mean, you spent so much of your life dedicated to this show and creating a magazine when, you know, as Scott said, there was no internet. I mean, this has to be uh, incredibly exciting for you both, but John, I have to think it's especially exciting for you. What's coming up in May.
2: Uh, well, I guess uh, it's very exciting to me. And I know it's exciting to all long time, Twin Pe- Twin Peaks fans. Um, And I was talking to Scott the other day about I kind of kept the reality of this uh, upcoming show somewhat at arm's length uh, because it's been so many years. And I had heard over time that it might happen and I didn't believe it. And of course, every time we heard a rumor, it it never turned out to be true. This time, it certainly seems, I haven't seen it yet, but it certainly (laughs) seems like it's true. And it's only now a few weeks out. I really, it's starting to hit me that I'm going to be going to be watching uh, new twin peaks and that's extremely, extremely exciting. Uh, so, um, and I do want to quickly, quickly mention, uh, I'll, I'll make it fast. Uh, uh, you've given me credit for wrapping plastic and I, I appreciate that. Um, I didn't do Raptor plastic alone. I did that with a, a, a gentleman named Craig Miller, who unfortunately has passed away, uh, a number of years ago, but he was uh, essentially my co-editor on that magazine. We worked on that together. So that was a a joint effort. And I, I, I want to make sure that, that he's acknowledged.
1: Fair enough.
0: Scott. I, I, I can't even believe it's coming back to be honest with you. Um, and wrapped in plastic meant a ton to me. And when I heard it was coming back, I started to hound John. Cause we actually met out at the twin peaks fest in 2015 when I was making my movie And I've been hounding him since then, like, we got to bring this magazine back, you know, now's the time because there's so much to cover. And that's the thing I love about Twin Peaks more than anything is that it's not going to make sense to you. There's things you're going to wonder about. And, you know, even going back to the dream you mentioned, you know, we could probably have a half an hour discussion about the fact that I would submit it's not a dream. And everyone calls it cooper's dream but it actually isn't a dream but we won't get into that (laughs) um you know there's just so much you can debate about and i'm just so thrilled to have those things come back and i feel honored to get to work with john on this on this new endeavor and so far the fans are eating it up and we just you know bring on may 21st man bring it on bring it on i'm ready i want my (laughs) pie i want my coffee i want my cooper and you know and i keep thinking we should be saying to listeners who maybe don't remember, but the show ended in a huge cliffhanger. Um, And now if you're going to go back and watch it, maybe I shouldn't spoil it actually. Now I'm thinking, but I think I'll leave it be. But I mean, it's one of the greatest cliffhangers in television history. Like, I mean, it is huge. And after 27 years, 25, depending on how you count,
1: we're going to find out what
0: happened. And that is amazing to me.
1: Well, uh, I'm. I've got my remote ready. As soon as we stop recording, <laughs> now I appreciate both of you, gentlemen. Tell us where we can find the magazine, uh, the documentary, and everything both of you do in relation to Twin Peaks.
0: Well, you can get the Blue Rose magazine. We have one issue out now, and we are now taking pre-orders for issue two. It's going to come out June 24th. We're publishing about every three to four months, depending on how long we we're not 100% sure when issue 3 is going to come out cuz we don't know when Twin Peaks is ending right now so and you can get that at www.bluerosemag.com and you can order issue 1 and 2 we have it in print and we also have it in digital form so it's it's there and the documentary is out there on Amazon it's called A Voyage to Twin Peaks. It takes you through the town where they filmed. You get to see the locations. You get to see some of the actors who came and really understand the fan community. And John also has a book that he can talk about.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, if, uh, if anyone out there remembers Wrapped in Plastic or is curious about Wrapped in Plastic, uh, we, we did 75 issues of that magazine and over the 13 years. And... Um, A great, great many of them are out of print. And so what I did was I assembled what I considered the essential uh, information from those 75 issues uh, into a book. And that's why it's called The Essential Wrapped in Plastic. And uh, that book contains a great, great many interviews with actors uh, that we talked to over the years, uh, a few of which sadly have passed away uh it contains an episode guide it looks at uh deleted material that was never filmed and it's got a number of essays that examine uh the film Firewalk with me so uh that book um is available uh as a um, paper copy on amazon.com you can order it and you can also get a kindle uh e reader copy of that as well
1: Gentlemen, it's been a great pleasure John Thorne, Scott Ryan all about Twin Peaks and uh you know uh you've done a great interview go get uh, go get a damn fine, fine <laughs> cup of coffee. Thank you. Thank you both for joining us on the program today. Oh, uh, thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, I hope that you enjoyed the great TV podcast as much as I did and that you'll please tell a friend. That's how we do spread the word around here and as Uh, Our friend Philip Keller said at the beginning, don't touch that dial. Next week, be locked in to The Great TV Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I would appreciate it very much. And we'll talk to you next time. Have a great week, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye.